This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. On episode 95 of The Metaphysical Connection, Eric Renter King Fisk sits down with authors Maureen Wood and Ron Kolek to talk about their new book, More Ghost Chronicles Stories from the Realm of the Unknown, the Unexplained, and the Unbelievable. You can find more information on Maureen Wood and Ron Kolek's other books and their work by going to the show page, metaphysicalpodcast.com, and click the link for episode 95. You can also visit them on their website, neghostproject.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Excellent. Excellent. I want to thank both of you for joining me. Um, I, I don't know where to begin except for at the beginning. Um, let me just introduce my guests here tonight. Uh, Maureen Wood is uh, coincidentally a friend of, of mine and my wife Carol's. We go we go back quite a few years, I guess, Maureen. Um, so, um, so hello. How you been? Uh, I've been very good. Busy. But uh, good to be here. Exactly, and you have your 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 fellow investigator, um, uh, your co-writer. Um, let me just get to the page here real quick. Uh, yeah, who the hell is he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, do you prefer Ron or Ronald uh, Kolek? Whatever you call me, just as long as you don't call me late for supper. Ha ha ha. Old Joe. <laughs> so this. Um, I've been I've wanted to have the two of you on the podcast for a while now and we just finally got the opportunity thanks to your new book. Um, let's start with the beginning though. Um, ladies first, how, how did you get into paranormal investigations and and your and your qualifications? How did this whole thing begin, Maureen? Uh, well, for as long as I can remember since I was very young, uh, I used to see spirits you know, around me, I would get information. I'd have what they used to call uh, daymares, where I'd see events take place, and you know, it was as I would as if I was in a different reality almost. Um, and so, at that time, I, you know, was lucky enough or fortunate enough to be introduced to somebody in my teens uh, that actually helped me to understand energy, helped me to understand what was going on. Um, she was a uh, Basically, she trained with Lori Cabot of Salem, Massachusetts. So what she did is, you know, she pretty much showed me how to harness the ability and communicate with the deceased. And um, I became a medium for adult seances. And I think it went on literally every weekend for about three years straight, um, pretty much like a training environment. So, um, but, you know, years later... Um, I kept saying, there's a reason I'm doing this. I would do readings for people. I would teach them different, you know, energy, you know, workings, how to do, how to work with energy and protect themselves. And um, I actually came across, you know, a time where I said, you know, this has to be for a reason. This is crazy. I need to be doing it more. And I, I'm a big believer. You put out your, in your, your intention, talk to the universe and say, listen, if I'm meant to do this, then show me. And within maybe a week's time, um, I'd say that someone, you know, out of the blue at the store handed me a newspaper and in it was an article that Ron had written um, as, you know, he was the founder of the New England Ghost Project and he was writing about his investigations and, you know, being me, I took that as a sign that I should contact him. I did and that was about, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago and it's it's been an adventure ever since, put it that way. Ron, how about you? According to the bio here, um, you're you're actually a, um, 
a skeptic um, or you have a skeptic's approach to paranormal investigations. H- how did you get started in all of this? And tell us a little well, bit more. It's a bit of a long story, um, Eric, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I I was never really thought about the paranormal, never had any experiences when I was young or anything. Um, I have a degree in environmental science, and I also worked on the space program. I owned a manufacturing company, and one day I was uh, working on a table saw, cut my fingers off, and uh, they rushed me to the hospital. Uh, they reattached them, seven and a half, six and a half hour operation. But uh, the doctor came up to see me that night, and there was something she didn't like, called for a cat skin in the middle of the night. They brought the girl into the hospital, and sure enough, I had a plumeri embolism. And that, for those who don't know, it's a blood clot that travels to the lungs and usually fatal. Um, During that time, I had what I thought was a near-death experience. Uh, I was in a different place and different time. But anyways, I... I get out of the hospital and I had lots of time on my hand. My hand was in a cast, I was on blood thinners. So Media One was offering a course in TV production. And uh, in order to complete it, you had to do a show on something. So I said, well, I had this near-death experience. Does, don't know if it was the drugs they gave me or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my manufacturing place was also supposed to be haunted as well, even though I had never seen anything. People that worked for me, including my son, has saw people that weren't there and spoke to people that weren't there and heard noises and all kinds of other things. So I said, you know what, I'll do it on Ghost. So when I went out and did that first show slash investigation, I realized there were things out there that uh, I couldn't truly explain, even though I had a good, broad background. And uh, I was curious and wanted to learn more. And the more I did it, the more curious I got. And, um, you know, it's I was skeptical on a lot of things, certainly didn't believe in mediums, thought they were all charlatans, but uh, always open-minded and, and soon realized there was a lot of things that I just couldn't really explain and the more I did it and the more it got that way and that's when I ended up doing it full time for over almost 20 years now. Ron, do you remember the event that turned you into a true believer? You know, Eric, it, it I, you know, I wrestle with that all the time as, as a true believer. You know, everybody thinks like, oh, you had a near-death experience. That must have, you know, changed your life. Well, well, it didn't. It, it made me curious. Okay. And every one of these events that I have, and, and I've seen what I believe is full-body apparitions and uh, many other things as well, and working with Maureen, of course, is certainly <laughs> interesting. But oh, I've always got that doubt in my back of my mind. Uh, you know, I'm always saying, okay, is you know, how much of this is, is me and how much of it is reality. And uh, so I, I believe and uh, there's something out there. Is it a ghost? Is it a spirit of the dead? Uh, I, I can't tell you that for sure. You know, it, I've always got that little bit of doubt. Maureen, how about if I turn, it, turn that same question around? Um, have you always been a believer or have you ever had moments of doubt where you thought there's there has to be a rational explanation for this you know interesting that you you know you asked me that question because i've always i've always dealt with that as i was very young which i think many kids out there um run into the same experience is you know they see spirits or you know you hear spirits or you feel or these thoughts get in your mind that they just come out of nowhere and you know even when i was young i didn't realize there was anything different or unusual. In fact, I kind of still don't. I think that, 
you know, there are many people out there that may have experiences that either choose to ignore them, don't work on strengthening them really. Um, When it comes to, you know, do I believe it all the time? Well, as you know, since I, you know, am friends with your wife as well, I've been in the technical field for many years. So I think that's giving me a good balance. And even though I do feel energy or I feel a spirit, I'll always still myself sit there and say, okay, let's rationally think of this as well, right? If I'm feeling it and I can sense the spirit and I'm getting a message and then I can validate it, then at least I know that um, I've done my due diligence, right? And I haven't just mm-hmm. jumped to the conclusion that there is a spirit there when maybe I'm just you know, looking for a spirit, let's say. Carol had said to me, told me about how you are an empath. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people have an idea of what the word empath means, where you could just read other people's emotions. But what does the word empath mean to you, especially in the realm where that's what you self-identify as? You know, it can be tough for a lot of people. They don't even, if they don't even understand what being an empath means, right? Because walking into a crowded room let's say with a lot of people and you're feeling great today you're not having a headache you're not picking up on you know nothing's really going wrong and then the next thing you know you're in a group of people and you suddenly you know you feel down or you feel I get a headache come on or all of a sudden you're angry and you have no understanding why right well a lot of times it's really we're all made up of energy so um, if you're sensitive to energy you know, you could be a person that says, like myself, you know, I choose to not be in lots of crowded places because I really don't like it. I've never been one to gather in with a bunch of parties. I go, but I'm really, I'm always on guard because I don't want to pick up, you know, someone else's energy levels and their feelings and emotions. And it's not always a comfortable place to be in. How do you two go about your investigations or <laughs> or what what do you call it when you explore these areas or um, I guess investigations is the best word I can think of. Why don't you take that, Ron? Huh? <laughs> yeah, Ron, <laughs> how, 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 how do you go about your investigations? It's it's it depends on the, on the the circumstances, Eric. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but mm-hmm. it really does. Uh, every case is different, and when you go in, it's more of a reaction reaction uh, versus uh, a planned investigation. We start off, you know, going in with the proper equipment that we find necessary for a, a, a investigation. We go in with the right people that we believe we need but you know we don't know till we get there really what's going to happen if anything happens and and how to respond to it is is on the fly so you have to be prepared for everything uh but be, but be prepared for nothing so it's it's a little difficult uh i love working with maureen i mean uh she scares the heck out of people and i i just love that and uh <laughs> so so it's uh Unless, have you, Eric, have you ever seen her trans channel? Um, so many people from work. I don't even know if we're even allowed to say where we all used to work. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say the place. The place. <laughs> I know. Um, so many people have told me about experiences that they've had with you and seeing you have, I don't want to call it an episode. But when when you go to that mode, I guess, 
And we had a fellow co-worker whose son passed away and you got a message for him. Is is this something that we can explore on the podcast for a minute about what I think so. I mean, I will say that that uh, this individual has been um, help trying to help others, let's say, out of their own grief and talking to people to explain his experiences with the loss of his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that he would have a problem talking about it. No. OK, so um, apparently you were you were just going about your business, uh, doing what you do. And you got you got a message from his son um saying that it's it's okay uh, it's it's all right where i am how, how did that go about well actually what happened is um this individual you know basically we knew each other but we weren't close close at the time when his son passed um and there had been a um obviously it was like a a quick death so there had been a mass, you know, first the, the funeral pile we went to, and I, we all went there from work, and I could feel the son's presence there. And then when they went to lay him to rest, you know, the next day, you know, we went to the church. And I have to say, for me, it was a learning experience. It was very surreal um, going to the church and being inside of this, you know, uh, granted, it's I know it's stone church and everything, but being in that church and all of a sudden hearing his son as if, you know, he was standing right there and I could, it was feeling so sad because he kept saying, you know, oh my God, he can, I hope I'm not going to swear, but. No, you um, can swear. We I, have the explicit tag. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I can't effing believe that you can't see me. You can't see me. I can't to his father. You know, yeah. I can't effing believe it. And he's swearing up a storm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, either I've seriously lost my mind. Um, or, you know, I'm standing in church and I'm hearing, you know, this potty mouth swearing, right? So what happened is, you know, we leave and I thought, my God, I can't go to this person and tell him anything because who does that the day the son's being buried? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I basically, you know, I told the son, you know, and the son kept saying, you have to tell him I'm okay. And it's like, okay. So days go by, weeks go by. Um, it comes time for, you know, this person came back to work. I don't want to give his name away. Um, But he comes back to work and I go, you know, I was teaching a class at the time and uh, I went, drove to work and while I was driving down the street, his son popped into my vehicle, (laughs) my car and he kept saying, you have to tell my dad that I'm okay. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk to him. That day I went downstairs to his office and, you know, someone said to me, oh, wow, Maureen, he's having a really good day today. So I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I can't do it. I cannot go in there and bring him down yeah. when he's having this good day. So I leave. Well, this went on for three days. The third day, uh, this individual, um, you know, the son came to me again. And literally this time he's swearing again in the car. And he's like, you have to tell him. And he's screaming. I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm with John um, or Joe, rather. I'm sorry, Joe. So I get into work. This time I said, I have to go down. I go downstairs. He's sitting in his office. He's, you know, having a really bad day. And I walked in and uh, said, you know, I I don't know how to tell you this, but I I need to know how you're doing. And his response was basically, he said, you don't want to know. And he was planning on him and his wife taking their life. Oh, no. So now I knew why his son was very adamant. So I shut the door. We had this long conversation. And I'm not saying, oh, great me. I think the son came through so strong because he was trying to 
you know, help his parents to heal and to try to prevent another tragedy from taking place. Um, and so we had a connection for months after that, off and on. And, you know, he's trying to see his son, see his son. And, you know, what was interesting is I was beside myself thinking, how can I really help him? I felt at a loss. You know, I wanted him to see his son because knowing this person, he's very technical, very like engineer like. Yes, yes. And he would have to see to believe, right? Um, so I drive from the, from work and I see, I ask, how can I help him? And all of a sudden a car pulls out in front of me and it says faith. So <laughs> went back, told him what I saw and said, you have to have faith. So I think that was maybe in May or June. And on father's day, he got, um, a visitation from his son and it was the timing of it was the reason. And the dog started barking and, and it was all meant to be because if the dog didn't bark, he wouldn't have, you know. He wouldn't have known for sure that it was not in his mind completely. But I feel like I'm monopolizing this conversation. But um, anyway, so that's pretty much what happened with that. I'm tear. And- I'm 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 literally tearing up. It's very rare that it a- actually happens that I'm tearing up with a guest. Uh, Ron, how about how about you? Is there an experience that sticks out in your mind? As regards to oh any any experience in particular any anyone that you it's up to you which which experience I think I think the long the long haul of this Eric and and uh, by the way you asked us earlier about uh, what it was like doing an investigation and stuff of course that's why we wrote these books because it's written in our point of view otherwise it's like you're really there otherwise the font changes from maureen to i you hear everything we say what we're thinking and yeah. everything yep. so it's it's quite detailed and, and people are curious on what it's like to go out with maureen and myself the, the book more ghost chronicles and the original ghost chronicles are written in that sense that you, you are there with this you're you're like a fly on the wall but anyways as far as experiences and, and I, I i think the most interesting thing for me is the the journey that I've taken with Maureen in that when I first uh, started working with her, I always considered, well, of course, I told you that I, I didn't even believe in mediums at the yeah, time. Yep. So she, she converted me to that. But I always said that I was as psychic as a brick. And now I kind of call myself a dumb psychic, which means things come to me, but uh, I don't really try at it. I don't you know, I call myself a psychic. It just things come to me when we're on investigations that are uh, that come out to be true. So it's it's intriguing how working in the paranormal and it's this lifelong experience to me that has really uh, opened my eyes as far as that. I mean, we, we study everything, uh, you know, for, for instance, we do these red light seances, which we've been doing every first Tuesday for almost four years now to study physical mediumship because that's something that's always intrigued me. So the more we do these things, the more experiences I have, it's starting to form me into the conclusions, but it it always just gives me a little bit, but not enough to to make it. So it's that lifelong experience for me that, that, that makes it so intriguing of what we do. Maureen, would you say that everybody has a little bit of psychic ability to them? I absolutely would. Um, I like, as I said, you know, I, I often would tell people that just like you get someone that maybe is more musical or musical capabilities in a family, 
um, you know, maybe it's stronger. It doesn't mean that someone who loves to say, listen to the piano and wants to play the piano can't put, apply themselves and play, become a great musician. Right. Yeah. So I think that you can grow your abilities and you can focus on them. It's a muscle that needs to be worked at. You know, it's not, some people have it a little easier than others because of their wiring, but that doesn't mean that you can't reopen a part of yourself that you might have closed off growing up, let's say. All right. Now, just suppose for a moment that I knew of a a location um, that I think is haunted and I wanted you two to investigate this location. How would you go about that? Well, uh, the first thing you do is would contact, contact me. And the reason we do that is everything goes through me because I, I chose the cases, first of all. But also to keep Marion out of the loop that so she's unaware where she's going and so forth. And uh, once I spoke to you, and, and if it was something, in, you know, that we felt it was worth pursuing, then uh, we would uh, set up a date and everything else and, uh, you know, decide, you know, depending on the place, what equipment to bring, how many people to bring. And then, uh, you know, I'd have to set up with Maureen. We'll go and investigate. She wouldn't know where or whatever. And the other thing that's intriguing, too, is I would not want to know all specifics of the location. Uh, I'm you know because i don't want anything to taint my investigation at all so the least less i know the better um but yet you still need that uh a little bit of things for instance uh you say okay this room here we we hear a lot of sounds okay so uh you know are we see a, a spirit that that walks somebody that walks down the the stairs that we believe okay so these are certain locations that i can uh you know, devote my time to instead of just wasting it on a general location where there are no reports of anything going on. So if it was an audio, but we would probably put more sound devices in that particular area. If it was video, we would do more of the video uh, range in there. And of course, the, the whole thing is we before we do anything, we would go in and do baselines, uh, otherwise measurements of EMF and, and temperature and all that thing, uh, the same night, so that we, they're fresh. And uh, then we'd do a walkthrough with Maureen. And, more, your, and then... Your for, cue, Maureen. Yeah. <laughs> then, then what happens on your end, Maureen? Um, well, as Ron said, I, I don't know um, typically where we're going other than, you know, it's going to take an hour to get there. We're going to New Hampshire. We're going to Western Massachusetts. Um, dress warmly. Dress warmly, right. We're going to be hanging outside. I'd like to know when we go into basements, though, and there'd be spiders. That would be nice to know. I might nah, no. or something. <laughs> um, I hate spiders. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's getting there. I would just bring, you know, uh, a pendulum. I'd bring some items that I use for protection. Now, when it comes to protection, I often feel like, uh, like I'm an onion, right? I want to make it, you know, lots of layers to peel off to get to me. So, um, depending on how I feel that day, I might bring, bring different crystals. I might just bring, you know, make sure that I have holy water or Ron makes now with this called this uh, special blend. Right. So you can tell them about that in a moment, Ron. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, there's a lot of different aspects of it. In fact, one time I, we went to an investigation and I wasn't feeling that great. You know, I kind of had a flu or cold. And so I literally brought the kitchen sink, right? I brought yeah. everything with me. And I remember it was kind of funny because we were down in this basement, we're investigating. Um, and Ron's like, what is going on? Like, there's nothing with the meter. There's no energy. I'm not I know there's spirits here, but you're not getting what's going on. And I said, well, I kind of brought a lot of protection. He's like, all right, empty your pocket. So we, <laughs> we, we walked over to the shelf and I kid you not, I had a pile. I had coins because metal helps to ground you. I had crystals. I had, you know, um, a rosary bead. I had, I mean, I had everything and I just kind of piled it there and he's looking at me like, really? Like you're, this is what you're bringing. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, it depends. And a lot of times people say, well, I don't need anything. Well, that's fine. It's individual, right? I think as long as you have your faith sometimes and you have your, you in, your intention that you are protected and strong, you're fine. But I tend to, like a lot of things around me. Ron, what what's in your kit that you carry? What's what's the secret sauce, I think she called it? Or the <laughs> secret sauce, I love it. <laughs> How about your big ass cross, Ron? That's <laughs> yeah, well, I have that too, but that's besides yeah. the point. <laughs> the uh, the you know the special blend Van Helsing special blend is um, it's it's a combination of items that, that I've been using for years and years and years and and people have been harassing me for it because they know about it and they, they want it. And so eventually we ended up uh, uh, making this commercially, which is uh, sold by uh, Circles of Wisdom in Andover. It's also uh, sold by uh, Leslie Martin's uh, positive, uh, brilliantly positive, positively brilliant, excuse me, her candle sight on it as well. But it, it's a, a special blend of uh, liquid sage and uh, holy water and Jack Daniels, um, and uh, <laughs> is it Jack Daniels just for you? It's got a nice aroma to it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, it's for medicinal purposes. Uh, it, it comes in a, a Reiki infused bottle. Uh, it it has it, uh, silver cross that's blessed on it. It also uh, comes with a special label that has the St. Michael's prayer printed on it. So it's it's a, a super duper blend is white. Um, and, th- and they know about it too, because in our first book, uh, just the mention of it uh, sent them flying, right, Maureen? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know. Who's they? <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> Come on, Ron. Maureen's friends. Okay. Yeah, we had an, uh, a situation where we investigated um, in New Hampshire, and it was, oh, my God, I'm having a brain cramp, Ron. Um, it was America's Stonehenge. America's Stonehenge. We and did I a show to... on that. We did a show on that. Go, on, go we, uh, we did a show on America's Stonehenge a couple really? of years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, we, were the, we were the first exactly. group ever, ever to do an investigation there. We stayed overnight in the main site. All right. So, so your friends, ahead, as it were, your 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 space invaders, I guess you'd call them. <laughs> well, we went during the day, right, to investigate, and we were walking around America Stonehenge, and where you know it was kind of creepy because as we're walking around, I could feel this ceremonial, like uh, sacrificial table place, and Ron's yes. like, "Yeah, yeah, right, Marmine," and we go around the corner, and sure enough, there's this table with the grooves, and it was just it was a little creepy. Yeah. So. As we're leaving, anyway, we get done, we wrap it up, we did like a podcast, um, so we, we go, we get in my 
nice Audi at the time. And uh, so I'm in the car and we're driving and, you know, and I could feel this energy, you know, still with us, this, you know, whether it was Native American or whatever, could still feel it with us. And it was really, it wasn't good. And Ron's sitting there, we got the podcast going and Ron's like, Maureen, can you drive while you're channeling? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't done it before. And uh, he's, you know, we basically were dropping someone off at the time and uh, Ron's meter right starts going off did you have it in your pocket or something yeah it was my emf meter it was in my pocket your emf meter right so this thing's going off and i think too it went off so strongly that when he opened it up to see i think it like literally melted the the leads inside there to the battery oh wow um, and so we're going to leave and ron's like well maybe it's just maybe it's just the uh the overhead lights on the road right so we get away from the overhead lights and it's still blaring and i'm like yeah i don't think it's really overhead you know lights ron so he's got his special blend he's like oh we're gonna have to take care of this and we were driving to go do our own radio show at wccm at the time yeah so, <laughs> so he's like oh my god we gotta pull over pull over in wendy so here we are well you wait a minute wait a minute before you get to that maureen okay, i just said okay i'm gonna have to get the special blend Oh, and then yes. you said, oh, he jumped in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. He did. That's what it was. He jumped in the <laughs> he jumped in the back seat. Ron's got the meter, it's going off there. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, so we had to come to that conclusion where we drove into Wendy's parking lot, right? So here's Ron with the special blend. We got all four doors of the Audi open. This is like a visual thing, right? And right. Ron's up there spraying all my leather seats. And I'm like, Oh my God, my leather seats, and you're spraying everything, spraying it down, and it it just was kind of comical. But people were staring at us like, "What? <laughs> you know, the hell are these people doing?" But yeah, that was a very interesting day. And and, and the thing is, if it's, God forbid, if anything ever happened, how would you explain that? Yeah, yeah. I know. It. Tell me about it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Not too I, easily. There was another time too. We yeah. were at the Houghton Mansion, and uh, we were doing an investigation there, and and Maureen. Uh, was uh well let's put it this way where she told talked to you before how she carried a ton of stuff well she didn't have a lot of stuff with her that time and it yes. was wicked strong and my meter was going off i mean just blaring all around her and it took a toll on her so finally we, we went outside to to take a break and uh and as we we went out there i i, I took out my special blender and i sprayed off sprayed her and then we went back in and sure enough um the spirit was there, but it couldn't get close to it like it, it did before. And yeah. and I'm going all around trying to get close to it with my meter. It doesn't work. And I go all the way around, and then I get to a button. It goes off. And I said, well, looks like I missed the spot. <laughs> so what, yeah. So I, let me just interject here with a, a, a brief story. I'll keep it as short because this is your time. No, no, no. We, we love this stuff. I did, it, I did an investigation. I brought my audio equipment with mm -hmm. a group that does the same thing you do, these mm -hmm. kind of investigations. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, they're not, I, I haven't heard from them. I guess they disbanded. It was, a, it was the most rewarding work I've done for the Metaphysical Connection ever, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, saw some things, heard some noises that were just frightening. But on the way back home, I was the first one to leave because I have, as you know, I have, you know, a, a wife and kids that I like to help my, you know, put them to bed in a decent hour. Yeah. And on the way uh, home, uh, 
on the other side of the street at the intersection heading to the Walmart in Gardner, um, this guy in front of me, uh, coming in the opposite direction, his lights turned off. He, he had no lights. His lights suddenly well, went off. His lights shorted out. His headlights shorted out. And he, and he hit an, uh, another, another car, another truck right in front of me. And the thing is, is that I was thinking to myself, um, geez, I wonder if that was the spirit, the spirits yeah. that I saw. Yeah. Could they have manifested that themselves in that way to let them know that I'm, or was it just a weird coincidence? Because there's no explanation why this this guy's truck's lights went off. Uh, is well, there is there anything to say I, about that? Yeah, we've had so many different, um, let's say, coincidental, uh, or could be termed coincidental experiences. And as I was saying earlier today, we had another interview too, and. We're talking about it and saying, you know, sometimes, especially the way I look at it, is you take those coincidental experiences, and although you say they're coincidental, the more they stack up, right, they almost get to be, sounds even crazier to say it's not something that's taking place. So, do, will you ever know? Probably not. Right. But, again, it makes you wonder. It puts that, you know, inkling of a thought in your mind that, wow, could it actually transcend, you know, being at that location? And... To me, yeah, it absolutely can. Do you remember the wind of Bahrain, the, the bulletproof? Uh, I do. Um, Ron and I had done a radio show before we went out to dinner at the Wyndham with the whole group. And uh, we're at, and it wasn't a really, the radio show really bothered me because we were, if you ever heard of, and I don't even like saying the name, but you ever heard of the Dibbit Box? I have heard of the Dibbit Box. I have. Okay, so we were, for a while, we were interviewing the original owner, um, or the man who, conf not confiscated, but kind of locked up the Dybbuk box, and we were interviewing them back and forth, so this in particular time, we actually had him on the radio show, so Ron and I were at WCCM, we're on the radio, and we're talking to him, and I kid you not, like, you could feel, it just got that cold sensation, like, literally, like, the, the, fluctuation and temperature and yes. it was just odd odd sensation and i you feel that angst right that for so for no reason we're feeling like a bad and i looked at ron and i'm like ooh, i'm like i really don't like this you know i don't even like talking to this person i don't like doing this because i feel like energy is energy it doesn't mean you can't just like you can do remote healings you can have energy go remotely it's not you know it's not just held in one spot and um, anyway, we left the radio station because we're going to dinner at the Wyndham. And, you know, we're all sitting there and, uh, you know, we're talking about what happened at the radio station. And Ron being Ron makes this comment like, oh, I don't care. I'm bulletproof. Well, within moments, literally, his chair goes flying back and he's on the ground. Right. Oh, wow. He, fall he falls back and then he gets up. Oh, I just fell. That's a coincidence. Right. Well, maybe we disbanded maybe a half hour later and. Ron and Jan, his wife, left, and no sooner had they left, they got in a car accident. Um, the person, and you can tell them what happened, Ron. Yeah, a guy just went, totally went through a stop sign. Uh, I was driving a white car in a, a lighted area, a brand new white car, and uh, he said, oh, we didn't see you. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Things mm -hmm. do tend to happen on, you know, on the way to or on the way home from an investigation. Um, what are these things? What what are 
what are, what are the what are the spirits? I bet is a question a lot of my listeners would like to know the answer to. Um. Well, what spirits? What spirits in general? I mean, the thing is, is it um when I think the thing is, is it who who is talking to you or what's giving you these impressions? Are, are we talking about the life force of people who have passed away? Are they angelic? Are they demonic? Good question. Uh, above anything that, you know, Every, it could open to, well, to when, interpretation, put it when, that way. When people say that they see ghosts, yeah, it's what you're saying is, is that you, it's always, um, it, it varies. Every case is different. You just can't say, oh, that's a ghost or that's a demon right. or. Absolutely. Yeah. I then, mean, you don't know, right? Because every situation is different. Every, I mean, even to the point of when someone says they have a haunting, right? Is it actually a haunting? I mean, we had situations where it wasn't, you know, necessarily a haunting. It was more like a video that was being replayed over and over, right? So right. for whatever reason, it was in a loop and it was a non-interactive. So there was no interaction taking place. This person would be um, going up the stairs every night and going into this guy's bed with him and like laying in bed with them. And it was because it was a memory. This is a person, the person would do. I don't know if it was every night, but it was um, enough to really, you know, get them nervous right um so you mean to have some dark spirit come into bed or a dark energy they see this black image just crawling into bed with them because so. there are so many things that i have learned about the in the realm of the paranormal there's there's ghosts angelic beings demonic beings there's have you had an encounter w with shadow people um I know myself, I really can't say someone asked me that question actually about a month, um, not even a month ago, within a month. And I said, you know, I, I have seen so many different things, but not something that I can actually say was necessarily a shadow person. I have seen doppelgangers, um, you know, that sort of thing, but not necessarily just a shadow itself. So how, how about you, Ron? Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Well, I, you know, it depends what you call the shadow people, I guess. it's. I mean, there are all kinds of beings out there. I don't know how you can actually classify them because they're, they're so elusive. Uh, uh, some of them are not even definable. I mean, heck, shadow people could be uh, aliens for all we know, yeah. or, uh, interventional beings or whatever. You know, it's it's not like it. it people have had run-ins with them, but we, we really... You know, we we can't. What are they? We don't even know what a ghost is, quite frankly. Right. Uh, there's, you know, and and you look at the the interesting thing about mediums, and I always feel bad about this, is that a medium can tell you something uh, that only you would know, and it, it came from like your mother or something. But no matter what, we can't prove that that came from a dead person. We know that she got the information. You know she got it right. Yeah. But where did it come from? Did, was she able to pull it from your your own mind? Was she able to tap into a a uh, greater consciousness? Uh, or was it? Did she? Uh, you know, able to speak to a dead person? We we are all these just memories of dead person. There's so many things well, we really we can't prove. I'm I actually to prove. agree with no. you, Ron. Too believe What's it. Or not. I said I agree with you because. 
you know, Ron interviewed someone one time and he posed that question, right? Is it psychically, are you telepathically getting information from someone or is it a spirit that's coming through? Um, and that's a good question. And I can say for me, I can't, can't prove it. But I feel when I, when I have a reading, for instance, um, I have the loved one, I can feel the energy ramping up and I get that information. Now, there are times when I'm picking up information that the person hasn't even, doesn't even know about yet. For instance, when I was in that work environment, I had someone that was in one of my classes and you know, he asked to speak with me. We sat together at lunch and we talked about his daughter that had passed um, and you know, information had come through about these yellow flowers, for instance. Thank you for the yellow roses from his sister. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he looked at me with this odd look and he said, well, I don't know because I don't know. She had yellow, you know, she had these big yellow sunflowers at her funeral, but not yellow roses. Maybe that's what you meant. And I said, no, she's showing me a dozen yellow roses and she's saying rosemary, which was his sister. Um, and I'm again, I'm not saying oh me, but I'm saying it to prove a point. So what happened was he went home. He was from Texas. He flew home and he got home and he talked to his wife and he talked to his sister, Rosemary. And at the time that he was in Massachusetts taking the class, um, his sister, Rosemary, was putting a, a dozen yellow roses down on the train tracks where the girl had been killed. So. Those are the things that I say, yeah, the, that in that instance, you know, absolutely it wasn't pulling it from that person's mind because he had no right. idea yeah. about it at all. Right. But could you be seeing into the future, basically? We, well, I don't know if it was future. It was kind of at the same, it's same time. But who knows? Energy is odd. Can you guarantee where it is? I can't. I can exactly. just like, forget yeah. it. So. To get, you know, to go into this whole thing, basically, when I first started doing the New England Ghost Project, I wanted to either prove or disprove that the ghosts or spirits existed. And I soon realized that that is absolutely impossible. So it, every... It's, for instance, if you have somebody that doesn't believe and if a ghost came up and slapped them across the face, then they would still rationalize it away. Uh, that's the way people are. And if people believe that every little thing is, is spirit, then they're going to believe in that. So the, the really thing about the paranormal experience is the experience itself. It's, it's designed for that particular person. And when the most important thing in an investigation are the reports from that person, because you're not there to prove or disprove what that that's what they believe in you know that's the experience they had you weren't there at the time it happened you certainly you know can give you options to say oh it might have been this it might have been this but to them that experience was real and so this book and and all along my journeys i basically decided to share my experiences and let people make up their own mind rather than me telling you it's this or that uh, do mediums speak to dead people? I believe they do. That they believe. I believe that they believe they do. So that's their beliefs. And who am I to say that it isn't? Uh, I can't prove one way or the other. So I'm not trying to just say that all mediums are just making stuff up or they're reading it from different yeah. locations. Yeah. That they believe what they believe, and I can never prove one way or the other uh, whether it's real or not, where the information is coming from. And I will tell you just to let you know. Painfully so, when Ron and I wrote the book, we reviewed numerous videos and listened to oh, yeah. 
yeah. of all of our investigations because it's very important to provide an accurate recount of what we did, right? Not just say this is what we thought and this is what we think happened. Um, there were times I would have been happy to do that because the last thing I want to do is watch myself channel on video over and over and over. Right, Ron? <laughs> <laughs> It was painful, but it was worth it. It was worth it to do. Do you see things on the video that you don't remember seeing when you were actually there? Or were there things that crop up in the video, like behind your back, as it were? Let's just say I don't, I never liked, I'm not a, a lover of being behind, in a camera, getting my picture taken or yeah. whatever. And I don't, I can't explain why other than it just, it doesn't sit well always with me, even though I try to just now push through it. But when I'm watching myself channel, oh dear God, that is awful for me because I don't, you know, you always want to see yourself in a good light, right? Like, especially, I'm sorry, vanity, you know, is thy name, right? So yeah. you see yourself and you want to be able to say, wow, I looked good. So when someone looks at that, you know, they'll think, wow, that was a great picture of Maureen. Not so much. So if you see me channel, I mean, I even had my mother, we talked about it in this book, you know, my mother, I held this video from her for, you know, watching this video for months. And she kept saying to me, I want to see it. She was so excited, right? She was my champion when she was alive. Really? So, yeah. she, you know, she comes to visit one day when I finally got the guts to watch it. Nobody was home. Nobody was around. And my mom pops in and she comes in and she sits down and she's so thrilled because we're going to watch this together. And yeah my heart just sank because I'm thinking, oh my God, like I was trying to keep this from her and she sat there and watched it. She stiffened up when she saw the part of channeling and she believed me because she knew in the family line, you know, that it was very strong and she just, I, I'll never forget, you know, she got all overwhelmed with emotion and she put her hand on my lap and she looked at me and she said, I'm so terrified for you. Wow. So, you know, and, and the thing, Maureen, is is that people will tell me, it's like, oh, Maureen channels every time there's a camera in front of her, huh? And that irritates the crap out of me because I know how much you hate seeing yourself on camera. And, uh, you know, it's it's just people's perception of things. That's the, the, the bad thing about what we do. How do you handle criticism, Maureen and Ron? How do you handle the negativity when people from, from non-believers? I ignore them. Okay. I mean, it's been very hard. Let's just say since I've been a child um, and, you know, when I started really, let's say, waking, awakening to certain aspects of myself, you always get people that, you know, their first inclination and their first instinct to tell you, you know, because it's safer for them. They think you're crazy. You've got something wrong with you. Um, you know, you're an attention getter. So whatever the label is at this point, I just... I, that's maybe partly why I don't like watching the videos as well, because I just, I do what I do. I can't, I'm not going to make excuses for who I am anymore. Um, you know, and yeah. that's about it. Ron, how about you? How, how do you handle skeptics and critics? I really don't give a crap, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. uh, I really don't. God. I do what I do. And if you don't want to follow me, you don't want to listen to my podcast, you don't want to go on an investigation with me, you don't want to know about me, you don't want to read a book, then don't. Freaking leave me alone. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, seriously, that... Because, uh, I mean, I, I deal with it. I do deal with critics quite often who don't believe. Really? 
Oh, when, when I tell um, people what it is that I do um, uh-huh. and that this is my occupation, this is this is my passion right here, what I'm doing right now. Awesome. This is this is my I'm in the flow. I'm in my zone and trying to explain to people that if you have a story to tell and you want to tell your story, I will put a microphone in front of you and I will record anything that you say. I'll edit it down for time. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get rid of the uncomfortable ahs and uhs and stuff like that. But whatever it is you <laughs> want to say, just go ahead and say it with the understanding that I'm not going to try and debunk you while you're, you know, on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, say it. Um, so uh, how much time do we have left? Do you, do you guys have have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, we're fine. Okay. Um, what is it that made the two of you sit up and say we got to write a book what how did you go about writing the first book i think ron you know ron and i had been doing radio shows together for a long time um he had been doing events you know um people were doing lots of investigations for sure um doing events and when we did events it just seemed like so many people were asking you know wow you know can i come with you or yeah well, that's the thing yeah you know, I'm in California and I can't fly to Massachusetts. You know, I, I can't come there. I wish I could because they'd hear our podcasts, right? Yeah. And they would get send email and letters and, you know, wow, we, we really would love to be there with you. So Ron and I talked and we knew we had, it was like the next progression, I think. Um, what do you think, Ron? Yeah. When I, like I said, when I started the Ghost Project, it, it was like, uh, one of the things I've always been was media friendly, and I think that's important because if you're not going to, uh, you know, try to disprove or prove something, at least, and you want to people to understand what's going on, you've got to share your experiences, and the best way to do it. In fact, our po- first podcast, Ghost Chronicles, the original Ghost Chronicles, we took a little dinky digital recorder, went, went around and did these little investigations together. The audio, audible was horrible. That was the number one complaint on uh, yeah. uh, iTunes, but it was the number one ghost show. People loved it. And so many people found comfort in it, which was in, really in, intriguing. I I remember uh, when we ended up ended up going on Tojinet Radio and uh, we used to always have a, a woman in the uh, chat room forever blonde was her name and uh, she was from california and then she disappeared from the chat room for a while and then i started getting emails with her and i talked back and forth what it was was uh she had gone through cancer and she lost all her hair and so uh she she uh it went into remission and she came back and um she grew her hair and that's why she was forever blonde but unfortunately the cancer came up again and while she was going through the the treatments, uh, is, I'm going to cry from this, is that she told me that she memorized every one of our shows and it brought her so much comfort uh, when she was going through all the, the treatments and she just couldn't thank us enough about it. Uh, she ended up losing her battle with cancer, but um, I've, I've got a copy of that letter tacked in my room and it always reminds me what I do does make a difference. It is. It's all. It is all about the listeners. There's no doubt in my mind at all. That's the reason why we do this. We do it for our audiences, right? Um, so, w- what's so special about the second book that you guys did? I, I guess it was it just. Is it just newly released? Is it? Yeah, it's brand new. Uh, October first. 
the the first one we did, we, as as we mentioned earlier, to share our experiences and so what's what it's like going with us. And the second one, I mean, we we have had so many so many cases that uh, you know people kept asking, "When are you doing another book? When are you going to do another book?" We did another one in between. We did a a, a kind of fun one. I, I call it a toilet book because uh, <laughs> toilet. <laughs> it's three hundred sixty five ghost stories from around the world, and it's, yeah. it's all. They're all dated by uh, the date, uh, whatever it is, October first, whatever they. So it's it's a easy read and it was a fun book to do. But people wanted more of Ghost Chronicles, so we came up with more Ghost Chronicles. And that's 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 why we're here. There's a lot of um, I don't want to say ghost hunting because I don't want to promote the show. But there's nothing. There's no other way to say it. There's a lot of the shows go- gone. You don't have to worry about it. Okay. There, there is and there was a lot of shows about paranormal investigators. Still is. And, oh, yeah, there is. And the thing is, there's some of them, whereas it's like they promise you that they're, they're going to show you something. And I don't think they always deliver. I, I'm always a little disappointed. And when I do see something, it, it's, uh, it's on the fence or it feels like it's staged. What do you think of shows like Ghost Hunters and and paranormal research shows? It's it's entertainment. It's on TV. That's what it is. Right. And you know what? You can't really make things happen on command. Um, You know, you could go to an investigation and there could be nothing there. Right. Yeah. Or nothing there at the time you're there. Right. Not that there's never any spiritual activity, but who knows if it's not a certain timeline or, you know, time of the year or event that triggers it. So you just never know. And look at look at this, Eric. I mean, when when Hunters first came out uh, years and years ago. And by the way, I actually had the first paranormal show on commercial TV. But that's besides the point. Uh, They had their show on sci fi. And when they first started to do it, they used to went out, go out and do uh, uh, investigations, and then he would declare whether a place was haunted or not haunted. And and as it went along, uh, all the places became haunted. There was no more of that. And then sooner enough, they had it a little bit more. So it was it was haunted by you know um, malevolent spirits. And then now it's haunted by demons. So it's it did up and up in it. You know that's the, the whole thing. I, I tell you, I, I the the show I enjoyed the most, and and I it's probably the only one I, I used to watch religiously was uh, Most Haunted from the UK. Yeah, and uh, I just love the history. I love the see Yvette scream and 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 that it was it was entertainment, uh, and that's that's why I enjoyed it. Do you think that there's any educational value to these shows, though? No. Okay. <laughs> you answered that so quickly, Ron. Well, there isn't because, you know, and the sad part about it, every group that's being farmed is being farmed on the same, uh, you know, modality of whatever shows on TV. They got to do this. They got to do it. You know, they're out there swearing at spirits. They're out there, you know, being doing cra- crazy stuff, going into right. places and locking down each other, you know, no kicking out the people that had the experiences from the house. So, that you know, you're losing. Your, uh, it, it's just it, and. It's, well, it's frightening that. what they've become. I mean, if you take it for entertainment, they're fine. Absolutely yeah. fine. And I have no problem with that. But if, if anybody thinks that that stuff out there is serious research, then uh, I'm sorry. It isn't. The one question that I'm dying to ask the two of you, uh, how, do you how could I get into serious research 
not just for the podcast, but because I feel the need to do it. I feel as if this is something that's like I'm called to do. How would I go about really? doing? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the, it's the second reason why I started this podcast is because I, I really feel passionate about the, the paranormal and the supernatural and trying to get to, um, not to get to the bottom of it per se, but to enlighten people and to allow people to understand that there are, there are mysteries we will never solve. First of all, Eric, it's going to take a lot of time because it's if you you want to do serious academic research, then you've got to spend time doing it. As I mentioned earlier, we, or maybe I didn't mention, I did a couple of radio shows today. Sorry about that. But uh, for four years, I've been doing a uh, red light seance. And four years, we record everything. We're trying to understand the thing. And that's what it takes. And then you have to. Uh, you know, write up a, a paper for peer review and stuff. I work with, uh, on, on Ghost Chronicles International, with Steve Parson, one of the most respected paranormal uh, scientists or, or parapsychologists in the UK. And uh, he has had lots of uh, work published by the SPR. And in fact, he's on the governing board of the SPR, it's what, which is the oldest organization in the, in the world, ghost hunting organization in the world. And that, if you want to do it, it takes diligence. And I, I am going in that direction, is that I want to do more research, and, and I'm going to get away from a little bit of the other stuff that I'm doing and, and do much more research into uh, uh, EVPs and other phenomena that uh, we're dealing with. Maureen, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you asked me this, you know, 10 years ago, um, I'd say just start going out, you know, um, be careful what you do, you know, find out from a group. You know, we used to have events and bring people out so that they would get a taste of what investigating was and then they'd get an understanding. And what's interesting is, and Ron can attest to this, is a lot of those people have started their own um, investigative groups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, right. which is fine and I would say some are still together some are not uh, some probably did it too soon um, so I think it's a personal path or a personal you know a decision to make um, you can absolutely do it if you go out and you start you know getting a team but to be honest you want to make sure that you all are a good fit with each other so say you get a group of people you know you got to be able to to uh, work together, everybody has a role. You know, you you uh, talk through things. You you there's a lot to consider. It's not just uh, oh, you know easy. Like I said today, unicorns and butterflies. People think it's so easy to just oh we can just do it no problem. But there are so many different aspects to it. Where do you investigate? Is it legal to go there and investigate? Yeah. You know, even today now cemeteries you really can't go into unless you have permission to investigate. Um, there's just a lot of, and that might not be in all areas, but a lot of them are doing that now. Too many, uh, too, too many uh, investigators have spoiled the stew, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of, uh, but you know, it, it, we started out that way, not knowing what we were doing. And that's one of the ways you learn is by going in the field and doing stuff. Uh, as long as you learn by your mistakes, which is, uh, but the, the thing that's probably the most dangerous thing is when you do private investigations for families and you go in there and, and if you're copying some of the shows that are on TV and, and you're thinking everything is demons and everything is evil, then you leave that impression with the poor family that's living with this. And uh, 
you know, you do more harm than good. So right. you've got to temper all that and at least understand the moral implications of what you're doing. Because there, there are fads and trends in this where one year everything is demonic, the next year yeah. everything is malevolent spirits, next next fad, it's it's all fairies, and the next... Shadow people, black-eyed yeah. kids, you get them all. And there's a lot of drama. <laughs> really? Oh, oh yeah. There's in the a paranormal, there's lots of drama. There's but, a lot of drama between different people, and I, and it's awful. You'd like to say that every, there are people that work together, but then there are a lot of people, unfortunately, that um, it's it's become a competition. Yes. Uh, so that, to me, is disheartening, right? You, you can't wait to go out there and post your pictures on Facebook and say, oh, look at this. And that that's the problem, too, is what you asked about tech before. One of the big problems with tech now is that you can – fake so many darn things now and put up the, even if you've got a genuine photograph, no one's going to believe you anyways. They think you faked it. So it's, it's the tech is kind of hurting us too. Yeah. Cause one of the things that, um, one of my fellow co-hosts and I were talking about earlier when we did the paranormal news of the week, um, we we're talking about the, the competition for, for podcasting. In the paranormal, everybody yeah. has to be. Everybody has to try and be the best. Everybody has to be the most sensational. Everybody is trying to one up everybody else. And oh, it's like if you listen to my show, you can't listen to his show. And if you can't listen to his show, that's crazy. It's it's craziness. And the thing is, is that how many hours are there to the week? If there's twenty four times seven, you do the math. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an. I think there's enough room for. My show and a handful of other shows. There does seem to be this competition, and it, I don't understand why it has to be because everybody brings something new to it. But no. you know, um, it is, he isn't. He isn't. He isn't. Years ago, uh, and I mean years ago, uh, we uh, did a two-part crossover between uh, the the station we were on, which was Tojinet, and it was still on there, and uh, Pararex Radio. Uh, Marla Brooks had a show on there, and, and we had one on uh, Tojinet, and uh, we've each been on each other's show, and, and one's, one, I believe it was uh, Thanksgiving or October, anyways, Thanksgiving, yeah, October, we uh, we went out and we did a crossover on our show. Marion and I were out in the streets of Salem investigating different places, uh, places and Marla was in the studio on our time, and and broadcasting and then when our show was over we switched over to Pararex and did the same thing and, and continued the show and that, and there's a lot of cooperation between some of the podcasts oh that's good uh, that's out good there, to hear. But you're right there are some that just yeah they got to compete all the time yeah because everybody has this uh, illusion that somewhere there's these magical advertising dollars that we're all yeah. competing for <laughs> yeah right. tell me about it if you ever find it <laughs> yeah exactly you know, it's I don't know. I don't know what to say, because you have to accept the fact we had an author on about three weeks ago and he says, you have to examine why you do what you do. You have to look at it. And it's like, what's your motivation? If your motivation mm-hmm. is to do this so that you can become a millionaire, it's never going to happen. <laughs> never happening. Right. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. With a lot of the ghost groups is they they want a TV show. That's their main goals. They want to be a TV show. And, uh, you know, they, they start their own YouTube channels. They start everything else in, in all hopes of, you know, doing that. Just be a TV show. And, you know, w- when you go into entertainment, you just, you know, kind of 
that's what you're going to be entertainment not anything serious i i just i just want to do real work you know right. like you guys not like you guys have your thing you guys do your thing very well and i do my thing very well and mm-hmm. once in a while we'll we'll meet up we'll we'll do this um what what do you want people to know about your book and i guess that that's that's how we'll end the show is talking about your book and obviously people will people will be able to get it there's going to be a link to this on your show page on the metaphysical connection uh for cool. a, for amazon we're definitely going to have this a link to this on uh on our website but what else do you want people to know about this book and and what's so special about it um well you want that worry you know we, we could you know we can both put our opinions as far as for myself um it was a, a you know it was a, a journey of love i would say you know working really hard getting this information out there um we, we you know we obviously you write to the best that you can but I will tell you right now that, you know, you can believe what you want, but all of these investigations, all of these uh, different stories, we really, you know, very meticulously went back over our investigative info, like I said earlier, and uh, really tried to capture exactly what went down so that we're doing our due diligence. And I will say that, you know, when I was tired, I was like, yeah, come on, Ron, we can just say X, Y, Z. And he's like, no, <laughs> we're making sure that we're doing is this correct. And I want to know people to know that this is all true to fact. So I've had people say, is this a fiction? Is this a work of fiction? Is this, you know, nonfiction? And, you know, depends on who you ask, right? As far as you ask us, it's absolutely nonfiction. You know, there's it as it reads like a story, but it is so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, I always bit my tongue when you said it was a labor of love because I remember after the second book, you said you never wanted to write another book with me again. See, that you, when you really, really love something, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. It, it could hurt. It does. <laughs> it, it right. It, I'm, I'm, I mean, just from my own, ex, just from my own experience, I can tell you there, I have done difficult shows. I have done shows that, that broke me, to be honest with you. There were, there were topics that I did that they broke me that really made me question my sanity and made me question, well, why do I do this? And the, the only thing that keeps me going is knowing this is somebody's truth. This is somebody believes this, whatever this is. And the notion that I'm helping this person tell the story is probably like the most important thing that happens to this person this month. It is keeping them going by sharing their truth. And it's for the listeners because the listeners count on this. This is how they spend their Saturday afternoons or their Sunday mornings or their Monday morning drive, drive into work listening to my show. I can't let those people down. Mm-hmm. That's the that's yeah. the whole thing. And it was mm-hmm. like it, it it's it's hard. There are some days where you just like, geez, you know, I, I'm not feeling it this week. But you just got to keep going, plow through it, and you'll find you'll find that little nugget that keeps you going. And I and I hope that that's the case for you guys as well. That in in your hard moments, you find a way to keep going through. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'll tell you one thing, though, is is uh, when we wrote the second book, uh, we looked back, and, and some of it covered some of the stuff we wrote in the first book. Otherwise, we, we finished up some items that yeah. we, we left open in there. And I remember writing uh, one particular chapter that night together, and all of a sudden, all this stuff came in about uh, Maureen's mother. Uh, and she used to be so funny because we'd work together, she'd pop in sometime. And it, it almost brought tears to our eyes because we just, we both felt it at that. Do you remember that, Maureen? I do. I absolutely we were, do. We, we did. We almost cried because we just felt her presence so strong in writing the second book. So it was, uh, you know, it's those things like that. We know we're doing the right thing. And, and the book is, it's a good read. In fact, the best criticism that I ever received when it was written too good. I love that comment on Amazon. Yeah. The <laughs> well, that I it's mean, too good. It's too good <laughs> right, to be real. You. That's what they said. It's too good to be real. Yeah, right? you know, and it's yeah, it's been written too good. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Right, it means there's a lot of crappy writers out there, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think here, and this is actually a pretty sizable book here um, because it's it's 256 pages. Yeah, um, a little smaller than the first one. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I and I am I'm actually going through some of the some of the uh, the reviews here for some of your other books here. Um, so how how many books have you the two of you written together? Is this your third? The third. This is the third one that's come out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's next for the two of you? What are you going to do after this? Well, probably rest up for the next show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but, uh, I, you know. We'll probably end up writing another book together. It, you know, it's it's. I think it's the way it's going to be. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think. Whether, so. we, whether we want it or not. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> when, but yeah, is there is there ever um? Do you see a goal? Do you, do you see do you, do you see a finish line? For never you, for you no. two. It's the never-ending story. Okay. Right. All right. Pretty bunny just keeps going. Yeah. All right. You so could, I kick the bucket, of course. Oh yeah. Well, then we could write it, and I could channel you. Yeah, I could be a ghostwriter. <laughs> Maureen, one more one more thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about this, uh, whether or not I should ask you this because ask I it. I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like I'm soliciting. Um, um, <laughs> Wait a minute. She's not that type of girl. No, no, not that's what. I, oh, jeez. Do you have people just come up to you and say, or ask you, "Hey, listen, my dad passed away a while ago. Can you tell me if he's okay?" Do you have people who just come up to you and ask you things, and what kind of connection do you need? Um, you know, that's it's different all the time. Um, I just had a. I was at the hairdresser yesterday, and. You know, I had people coming up to me because my hairdresser I've had for, you know, 25 years and she knows me very well. So she will talk about different things. And so she spreads the word, let's say, um, you know, sometimes I'm more open than others. Uh, sometimes it happens when I'm not planning on it. And other times it takes some time to, you know, get a person's name, get the energy started, you know, things like that. So it's 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 different all the time. Okay. Well, 
what I want you guys to know is that you guys always have uh, a friendly microphone here. If you guys ever want to come on and and just talk about an experience that you had, or or if you ever need if you ever need somebody who knows how to operate microphones and a and a, and a mixing board, you know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> you know that's that's pretty key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds great. Thank you so much. I would yeah, thank you, Eric. That's it was, uh, yeah. I just, uh, it's funny because um, Maureen says we're going to do a show, and I, it's a friend of mine. I'm just like, oh, okay, we'll do a show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was really a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, your conversation. And I cannot wait to get this book in Carol's hands because she loved the first one. Oh, she did. Read the first one. Yeah, she did. And, oh and, gosh! And she's she, awesome anyway. I love Carol. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> I know she is. She's a sweetheart. She's, she's always upbeat. She's just a, an awesome person. I love her. I do. I, I'm telling you, she's she is. She really is the brightest light in my life. That's for sure. And I miss her. I used to see her every day. Now I don't. Well, <laughs> obviously. Well, well, you know, you know what? The thing is, I can I can take all of this on the road. And I can I can meet you guys anywhere, and as as long as I have a power outlet, I can, I can set up and um and and we we can we could do another show and I'll bring her along. There you go. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. And if you're if you're really serious about doing some serious research, Eric, then uh, stay in touch with me because there are some. Uh, study programs that we will be doing that uh, we can use extra people to be involved in. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you're off, just let me know. I certainly will. I'm going to let you two go because I'm going to make my son's dinner and uh, yeah. clean the kitchen before Carol gets here. Uh, that's a very nice husband. What a good guy. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. And I cannot well, wait. Thank to, you. I cannot. Thank you, I, I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Thank you so much. Right. And my love to you. All right. Good night, folks. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection by subscribing to the Fedora Chronicles Network on Twitter through at Fedora Chronicle. There you will find jazz era counterculture, vintage threads, lost history, conspiracies, the paranormal, and space news. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups the Metaphysical Connection. Both platforms are great ways to join our growing community, connect with other friends of the show, and find out what's coming up in next week's episode. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. 
find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. Thank you.